In no way is the information provided in this podcast meant to be a substitute for psychological treatment. If you require psychological services, it is your responsibility to seek out the attention of a mental health professional. 24-7, The Working Parent Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the Psychology Foundation of Canada in partnership with Workplace Strategies for Mental Health, an initiative of the Great West Life Centre for Mental Health in the Workplace. We recently conducted a survey with working parents with the goal of better understanding their everyday challenges in order to help find ways to support them as they juggle parenting and work life. The results from this survey, along with an outpouring of questions sent to us by parents in the workforce across Canada, will shape the discussion of this podcast. Hi, I'm Kyle Naranya and a dad of a one-year-old as well as a working parent. And I'm happy to be the host of 24-7 The Working Parent Podcast, which was created to provide tips and strategies to address the challenges of working parents from all across Canada. Welcome to our listeners and our psychologists. Today I am joined by... Hello, I'm Dr. Esther Cole. I am currently in private practice and I work with children, adolescents and families and previously I supervised many teams of psychologists in education. I am an author of numerous publications, all related to education and parenting and how to help children and adolescents. And most importantly, I'm also a mother of two adult children and am privileged to have four ambunctious grandsons. Hi, my name is Dr. Rebecca Pillay Riddell. I'm a York University scientist who specializes in early child development and a clinical and health psychologist registered to treat adults and children. I am also a wrangler of two spirited daughters who are aged 9 and 11 years old. Welcome and thank you again for joining us. We've received a lot of questions from parents, so let's get right into it. Currently how I'm feeling. I feel so tired all the time. I snap at my kids and my spouse. I don't know what's wrong with me or how to deal with it. Help. Thank you from Aziz from British Columbia. Aziz, you are asking such a good question and it already implies that you are mindful that you don't want this behavior to continue. I think sometimes we say it in our heads or we write it as a question to a program But I think it's important to say it to our spouse and to our children, I'm sorry I snapped at you. It's just because I am really having a hard time. And I think that just saying that means, it's not an excuse, but it means that I can also ask, do you have sometimes bad days? Sometimes I have a good day. But I would like to suggest something that is kind of fun for adults and for children and easy to remember. Because it's not always what we say, but how we say it. And sometimes a child says, so-and-so yelled at me, but the other person really did not yell. They just looked serious. So it's the interpretation. Because of that, I like to suggest that you use a word that will remind you in your head. And the word is fever. And if I say in my head fever, it means that my f- I'm aware of facial expression. Did I make eye contact? V is standing for voice to- tone of voice. Am I aware of that? E is showing how I display my emotions. And R is for review of fever and reward myself by smiling and saying, 
I was aware that I had a cranky day, but I did something about it. And when you see it in other people, you are able to say the same thing. I see, am I correct that you are having a hard time today? Something is wrong, I just want to listen to you. Whereas most of the time when we feel as if we are taking on ourselves more and more mountains of work, what we don't do is we don't reach out, whether it's to our children or to our spouse, and then we become even snappier because we say, I have to do all these things. No, you don't. You have to say to your people, and the people can be your children, your spouse, your coworkers, I'm sorry, I feel so tired. My voice might be a little bit high or indicating frustration, but it's really because I'm not having the greatest day. Do you think that it would be important as well to find the reasoning for the tiredness or exhaustion, whether that be stuck in a routine? I know for myself personally, if I'm doing the same sort of tasks over and over again, that it almost feels like I'm a machine doing the same thing, or it could be due to a lack of sleep as well, like finding the it, reasoning behind it? It can be many, many reasons. I think the recipients of your communication want to know that you're aware, that you are snappy, and that you come across as too serious, and that you did not smile at them. So if I come and I say to you, why are you snapping at me? Why are you shouting? I don't like the way you talk to me. You become defensive and you don't listen to me. Mm -hmm. But if I start with I, I feel today that I am not in the best of moods. Your tolerance for hearing it, whether you are 10 years old, whether you are my spouse, whether you are co my coworker, is going to be more tolerance. And then if they ask you, it's up to you to say, I might feel snappy because I, I feel a little bit uh, unwell. If I feel that I forgot my keys or I forgot an important file, that might be the reason. So it's secondary to just acknowledging how you come across to others. Okay, uh, Dr. Pillay Riddell, do you have anything to add to Aziz's question? Um, absolutely. I think that the one thing that really struck out at me about uh, struck at me with about the question is I don't know what's wrong with me. So I just want to say nothing is wrong with you. We we are all tired and we all lose you know our temper at times and are short. And I know in my own life when I I, I feel that way, it's a really good indicator. So, you know, echoing what was said earlier, the idea about knowing that you ha you're, you're losing your temper is a great thing. But I, I think I would f also want you to focus and think about why yeah, you're feeling so tired all the time. And so s sleep hygiene, I think that um, one of the things for our generation, Netflix, <laughs> and being able to binge TV and thinking about our screens all the time, um, these are things that really seriously interfere with our sleep. Uh, research shows that not only do they draw us in, um, there's a compulsion about it that actually that we will sacrifice sleep. I think many of us have stayed up till two or three in the morning binge watching something on Netflix instead of going to bed when we knew we had to get up. And so trying to be a little stronger with that and, and trying to um, find ways where you can increase your sleep and, and what are your challenges to sleep. And I think taking that approach, I find that that's always a great foundation for myself when I'm worried about sleep. Our last question comes from Devin in British Columbia. I know it's important for me to do stuff for myself, but I just can't figure out how to set aside time. So time is really in the eye of the beholder. 
because usually when we are very pressured and stressed, we think that setting aside time means that I better have a, a chunk of time that I can't afford, which automatically means that I am becoming even more stressed about why I can't find time. And so it goes. So I think that what you have to do is you have to say to yourself, first of all, it means different things to different people. I can afford time, for example, if I am uh, in the car, driving home in traffic, but deciding not to answer phone calls and not to worry about whether I'm going to be 15 minutes late, but just to say, I am giving myself time out from activities that are planned from my checklist. I'm just going to listen to um, a station that I really like listening, but I can't really think about why I'm not listening to it, aside from the fact that I'm in traffic. So making sure that you decide in the moment. The other thing is time for myself. I think that the best analogy I can think of is notwithstanding electric cars, usually if I have a traditional expensive car and it's terrific and it costs a lot of money, but it runs out of gas, how is it going to be valuable? And everybody's going to say, well, of course you fill it up with gas. Otherwise, why do you have it? And time for myself is the same thing. It means that in order to be kind to myself, to the people I love, to the people I work with, to the efficiency of my studies, I have to make time for myself because I choose to. So time for myself can be um, the way I budget time for eating something instead of hearing from others in, in places, are you still working on your meal? No, I'm enjoying what I'm eating because I am doing it for myself. I'm going to have a shower, which is two minutes longer, even if I think I don't have it. I am going to read um, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, something that just crossed my mind. I'm going to make that time because it's part of my self-care. Spirituality of all kinds is part of my self-care. Talking to a person I want to talk to is part of my self-care. And each one of us has many more examples of the kind. So self-care is definitely in the eye of the decision maker. And I am my own boss on the subject of self-care, not my timetable, not the lists I have to accomplish and take off. I must be the boss of myself before I can be efficient to everybody around me. Now, with that being said, I'm, I'm just thinking of my own day. If I feel that I have none, because I know a lot of parents are looking at what they have to do in the day, whether that's waking up with their child, getting them ready for school, or if it's your own day where the child may not be with you and you have a full schedule with that, you have to, you're relying on public transportation in order to get you to your place and you're having an issue because your day is so filled with whether that be transportation or work itself, finding that time, would you be able to multitask like that if you're let's say taking the bus for example and listening to a podcast you like would you're multitasking but at the same time giving yourself self-care that's this is such a wonderful example because it's an example that is universal 
Uh, for somebody else, it might be making time to really look outside the window, making time not to do a thing and just close my eyes. Whatever you decide, it's a podcast, it's the view, it's just doing nothing. That is part of the self-care that I think I don't have. And the other last point I want to make on this is a question of modifying your expectations in the moment. So let's say I decided that I'm going to hear something for 10 minutes, but the bus is late or the subway is stuck, is not to say here's another example why I, sh I can't do what I want to do, is to say, okay, I don't have 10 minutes, I don't have 15 minutes, but maybe I'm going to have five minutes. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely think that I think it's common that we all feel we don't have enough time. I'm, I'm sure everybody would want to have an extra hour in the day. But I'd like to say as well that it's important to assert your need. So I think that you can try and squeeze it into all those moments, but I just I still feel like I'm in that stage with a nine and an 11 year old that there aren't those moments sometimes unless I force it to happen. So the idea of saying, you know, this morning I'm going to take a half hour to myself on a Saturday and even getting up a little extra early to have that time. So I think it's really important to assert not only to myself, but to others. Because I think as a parent, we can't, you know, if you have a three-year-old and a two-year-old, I can't just say, hey, I'm just gonna take a half hour by myself. Because they, they need that, that care and supervision. So the idea of being able to talk to a partner, a sister, a friend, a neighbor, um, to help, again, as a community. Because I think it takes a village to raise a child. And so self-care is critical. And I think if we don't assert it for ourselves, no one's going to do that for us. And so it's important that we find ways to assert that time in our schedule and actually be creative in trying to find out how we can do that. Well, and I'm glad you brought up the spouse because would you say it's as important to be aware of others and their lack or not excessive, but their use of self-care? So seeing that in your partner or them seeing it in yourself, like you need a shower or take a minute so that way your partner feels they've been replenished like yes. that expensive car as well as yourself absolutely i think that uh, we have to always be careful in relationships when we say something like that because you know you need a shower could be taken by a stressed parent as uh, something very different i haven't bathed in three days <laughs> but you know I, I think that that idea of having um a spouse saying hey why don't you take some time for yourself why don't you draw a bath you know, and, and being able to have both of you, um, the mother and the father. And I think one of the things that's worked well in our relationship is that we try and say, when I want to protect time for myself, I actually say, well, why don't you take time for this for you? And I take time for myself this week for me. And so there's almost this reciprocal relationship where it's like, okay, so you get time and I get time, so we'll cover the rest. We may not always have a parent or a spouse with us um, to, to be able to do that. And so that's why I think about trying to be creative. You can even be a colleague or a coworker or someone at your daycare where that's also worked where you can you know, pick up someone else's kid mm -hmm. and then you take that time to have a coffee by yourself. I also want to add uh, the point that um, it's very important if we look at our family as a unit about time for self-care, there are all kinds of relationships in it that we need to verbalize because our children are listening. So if we give it a label, this is time to take good care of ourselves for our entire family. So we do this and we ask the children how we can contribute to it. 
And then there is the time that I take care of myself with my spouse and everybody knows. And the children have time where they take care of themselves by choosing activities, but then I also need time for myself. So this little piece of the puzzle is really adding to making the puzzle together for self-care. And in our family, we take self-care for ourselves as individuals, for our children, for our spouses, and for our entire family. Now, I'm really glad you brought up the analogy about the car, because one of the things that we didn't receive a question about, but that came to mind when you mentioned putting the gas in the vehicle, is the gas being, whether that is self-care in terms of hygiene, sleep, or exercise, is the eating habits or the food you're eating as a self-care? Because I know for myself personally, if I haven't, if I don't feel I've managed my time right, my breakfast in the morning is a coffee. That's right. Which, if we've talked about already, is not me taking care of myself, because I think everybody knows breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And not only that, but we are also contradicting uh, our own messages. And we are telling our children things such as, don't eat so much junk food, as they see us having the breakfast that you are just describing. So the, the relationship of how I talk to myself in my head is going to be easily translated to my own behavior. Maybe if I don't have time, instead of having um, another coffee, I can say uh, I'll have one sip, but I'm really going to have the apple that is on the counter that I washed last night to make sure that I don't spend time on washing and being excusing myself for why I can't eat it now. Thank you for tuning in. For more information and tips, go to www.psychologyfoundation.org or www.workplacestrategiesformentalhealth.com and tune in next time to hear more helpful advice from our psychologists. 24-7, The Working Parent Podcast.